millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Described by some as the most awful podcast on the internet, described by others as all right in small doses. I am your host to Trunk, the man so full of his own self-importance that his ego knows no bounds. And I'm joined as ever by my miserable <laughs> wretch of a sidekick, Raj Baines. Hello, Raj. How you doing, mate? I'm not too bad. I'm, uh, I'm not too pleased with being described as your sidekick, but other than that, it's, it's all right. Right like that. You're the tails to my Sonic. Yeah, that's a, that's a reference. Yeah, there you go. Oh, sorry, is that one of my granddad references? No, I remember Sonic. I, rem- I remember Sonic. You're, you're all right there. That's okay then. All right then. How have you been this week, mate? Not too bad. Uh, thanks. It's, it's been a, an all right week. I've actually quite enjoyed myself. Because uh, it's been international week, there's not been too much to be worried about. So I've actually been all right yourself. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thank you very much. Mr. Raj Baines, it's a bit busy week at work, um, but uh, I won't bother. I won't bother listeners with that because they all have equally boring jobs themselves. I'm sure that's not supposed to be an insult to anyone. Yeah, it's a fucking insult. Fuck you. It, Fuck all of you. Is that your um, is that your full time job ridding Twitter of the small minded? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my full time job of debating, perhaps at times slightly uh, aeratedly, certain subjects about sexuality and so forth, but uh, let's, let's leave it out of this anyway, shall we? Go, um, go listen to Sexuality by Billy Bragg and that should set you on the right path. Is Billy Bragg, is he that guy that wrote those really good Facebook statuses all the time that people share? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I imagine so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I actually like Billy Bragg on Facebook. Uh, which sounds a bit 2007, doesn't it? But, um, it, it does a bit now, doesn't it? Um, it? I don't get the shared ones. I get them direct from the horse's mouth. But he's a, he's a, you know, he's what he is, really, Billy Bragg. You either like him or you don't. Yeah, I, I tend to savour Britain first and stuff. No, no, I don't really. God, that that's a sound clip. That's a sound bite that's going to be used as well now, isn't it, against me? Oh, um, I'll get over it. Anyway. Tottenham Hotspur played a couple of games since we last spoke. Um, normally, you know, we take this opportunity to talk about television and stuff, but I think I'm quite liking saving that to the end so we don't alienate people that don't watch the same TV as us, Raj, especially with this Bake Off stuff, I think. Um, but anyway, yeah, Tottenham. Uh, we played Besiktas. Um, bit, it's a bit flat, wasn't it, Get, coming, coming away with a one-all. I think, like, you know... I don't think we can underestimate the fact that Besiktas are are a very good team. Um, you know, they're probably not a million miles 
miles away from us in terms of stature. Maybe first team personnel, we would be expecting to beat them. But it was it was a you know heavily changed side. I think it was ten changes in there. Um, held on for most of the game. I think it's more just the manner in which we conceded the two points. To be honest, um, which probably left people feeling a bit deflated. Um, the game itself was pretty turgid, wasn't it? It was good, good, good goal by Harry Kane, but then seemingly undone by just a moment of madness from Vlad. Um, what, what? Anything you could take away from the match, at all, mate? Um, to be fair to him, did pressure us for long spells after we'd scored. It was yeah. a fantastic goal by Kane, as you say. Um, Pochettino seems to be playing him a little bit deeper, which suits him much more. Um, but towards the end of the game, it was a, a mad decision by Kirikish to, to handball it in the manner he did. I, I'm not entirely sure what was going through his mind whatsoever. Um, but I think what the game gave us more than a, a, a feel around the result was a, a couple of talking points with, with players in particular. Kirikesh as well, he, I think he came out in the Romanian press and, and he'd said that he's, he's not fully fit and he, he promises he'll be back to his best soon and that he doesn't feel, he knows that he, he wasn't playing his best and that he feels that... He needs a bit of time to to kind of find his feet again after being out for such a such a long time. And then the other player that that seemed to get um, seemed to have a few conclusions drawn around him was was Soldado, who didn't have the greatest of days again. But I think um, as, as I've said previously, I think he's a bit on a bit of a, a hiding to nothing inside that side because it doesn't really suit his skill set. It's it's try to, it's a very much a, a square. Peg round hole situation. Um, it does. It does feel that way a bit, doesn't it, Rosaldo? Really now. Yeah, I don't think uh, in in the hole it does. I think inside the side that he's playing in with Lennon and, and Townsend on the wings and, and Kane behind him, I don't think there's enough creativity within that side to to kind of feed off the, the sort of things that Soldado does with his game. Um, I, th- I mean, do you did perform essentially instead of Adebayor in the kind of in the Premier League? team as it were with our uh, Ericsson Chadley Lamella forward trio. I think he'd perform much better within that. I think we we've seen signs of that um previously when he's had the opportunity to play with those types of um of a, of creative players behind him. Uh Lamella who's who's finding his feet much more now within the side. Um in pre season they're linked fantastically. I think a few occasions last season uh, Ericsson and uh, Soldado showed, showed that you know for one touch passing and uh, a little bit of understanding going in behind there, he's just he's one of those forwards that he doesn't really create many opportunities for himself, which mm. some players can do and some players don't. It's it's not really a, a bad thing to his game. I mean, if you look at somebody like Falcao, he's almost like the the ultimate version of Soldado. He's the player that doesn't really make many opportunities for himself, but. He's, he's almost the cherry on the top of the cake, the one who finishes them off. And if you kind of remove that from Soldado's game, you take off you know, the, the sharpest end to, to his skill set, really. Other than that, he, when he tries to drop in and out of the, out of the team, he, he looks a little bit demotivated in what he's doing. And I just think it's, it's purely because he's unsuited to the plays he's playing around, which sounds a little bit mad that a player can cannot perform because the players around him aren't good enough. But I think that's the case. I don't think he's somebody that will will be able to to kind of take on ten plays and do no. himself. I think I think that it's I think there's a place between kind of people that write him off entirely and say that, you know, he's useless, he's lazy, he's this and he's that. And that kind of mindset whereby, you know, you say that it's the players around him. I, I, I do think there's 
There is kind of a middle point. Um, uh, Wendy was talking about it a bit on the uh, on the Fighting Cup podcast um, this week, which I actually I, I really like. When he was he was kind of saying, you sometimes just get the feeling with Soldado that you know he's he's obviously a very talented player, and you can see he has a lot of ability there. So you know, people that say he's crap and stuff, it's just you know, it's, it's a moot point. He's obviously not, but it, it, it sometimes just feels like. There's almost like a, a, a sense of false, um, false intensity to the game. In that he kind of he jogs around a bit and he runs around to just kind of say, well, you know, I did track back and I do, you know, I, I do kind of harry the man and stuff. But it doesn't ever really feel like there's any genuine kind of like urgency to his pressing. That he's more just kind of you know making up the yards and kind of approaching it as I guess you know people that do jobs that they're not really enjoying do. You know, kind of they, they they tick the boxes, but they don't ever seem to really have that. I mean, again, you're in, you're in the territory of conjecture here when you start questioning yeah. someone's desire and someone's and whatever. You know, it, it is all just kind of make-believe and it's, it's whatever you want to say. It's, but you can kind of see shades of that in his play, I think, yeah. sometimes. The thing I try and compare that to is, uh, if I use an analogy and take it a little bit left field, if you kind of imagine a kid at Christmas who's like asked for a few years, he's asked for a particular tie every year, and he ends up getting socks. <laughs> In about four or five years' time, he's going to be less and less excited for Christmas as it comes because he knows, even though he asks for something, he's not going to get it. So what's the point of him being excited for it and trying his hardest if all he's going to end up with is socks? And... uh I guess that's my way of explaining the, the service he's getting. Is, uh, in, when he first started at the club and when he first tried to do his his natural game within that side, he, he would make the runs off the shoulder. He'd, he'd drop deep and try and play the quick pass back to feet and spin his defender. But um, that's coming less and less now because he knows that essentially if he, if he asks for something for Christmas, all he's going to get is socks. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Soldado is socks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I bet you've got a few crusty socks lying around in your in your den, haven't you, Baines? Um, I'd like to to uh, not associate myself with that, if possible. Not just not associate yourself with crusty socks. No. no fair enough. Um, so what? what I'd say it was probably worth touching on as well. Touching on. Um, I mean, touching on after talking about Krusty Socks, I mean, it's almost as if you've scripted this. I know. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I've come prepared for once. Don't, on, on, don't on be the, fucking silly. Don't be fucking silly. I like the fact that on the rare occasions we do make a half-decent segue between sections, we manage to deconstruct it in some Stuart Lee-type fashion. <laughs> Stuart Lee, that's, a, that's, that's high progress for me. It's more of a Michael McIntyre deconstruction, I think, really, isn't it? He's a Tottenham fan as well, isn't he? Uh, embarrassing. Um, <laughs> uh, what was going to say? Harry Kane. Um, I, I know there's a lot of hype and I know there's a lot of hysteria. He's going to be our next Teddy Sheringham, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, uh, despite the fact that the lad looks very dormant um, and kind of, you know, just like a a bit of general moron, um, which is harsh. I know I shouldn't say that again, but uh, it's true. Um, he's he, he, he's impressing. Like the lad is impressing. It's not just the fact he yeah he does seem to be scoring goals, which is obviously a very 
good thing. But at the same time, he's, he's, he seems to be actually like adding a general kind of air of intelligence to his football. He seems to be dropping back and actually supporting and you know, making things happen really, really like succinctly. Yeah, I think um, he's got a manager that's going to be trying to coach him as best as he can. And a, a coach actually... Um, actually understands the, the sort of player he is and inside the role he's going to thrive in. As, as I said before, he's, he's starting that much deeper than the, the front forward. He's, he's playing a bit deeper. Um, Tim Sherwood said that line, didn't he, on, on ITV about him being a, a number nine and a half mm. and then followed it with the, the completely ridiculous line that he's not a number 10 because number 10s only call themselves that because they can't score. <laughs> which, which, that, did he actually say that? Yeah, which, you know... <laughs> I think Lionel Messi sat there with number 10 on his back and Ronaldinho before him, kind of looking at him going, whatever, dickhead. Um, and, yeah, he, I think his, his, his role and he's grown into it is, is, is what he's performing within now. I always refer back to the fact that when everyone wrote him off previously as being a bit shit, was because unless you keep up with the youth team as, as people like Rady who write for a site and, and Windy who's, you know, famous for it in a, in, a, in a massive sense of the word people flock to him um, then you're not really going to see him much in the youth team and when, when Redknapp got hold of him those years ago when he was 16, 17 in the Europa League we were sold just a, a usual you know, big striker with good feet, target man type of player and when he couldn't perform in that role and when he wasn't scoring goals he, he seemed like it was a bit of a dud but um, when he's actually been played in a role in which he understands and he's more natural and we're actually seeing the sort of player he can be. So I think it's it's testament to his his uh his passion for the club and his um his want to, to project himself in the best light that he's he's finding the sort of form he is now. Um I think Besiktas is probably the best team he's he's scored against yet. Uh last season towards the end of the Premier League he was scoring against the lower lower end of the table players. I mean they weren't the, the greatest teams in the world he was scoring against, but he still have to beat what's put in front of you, I guess. But um I'm 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 quietly confident about his progression. I hope he does really well. But I always I always repeat that line that I I said about Andros Towns and last season when people were pillaring me about him when he was in in the middle of that, that one vein of form he's had, one vein of form even that he's had. Um is that the the media and, and some people don't enjoy anything more than building a player up to then be able to, to complete the story and knock him down at the end of it. So as long as we're more level-headed with him than some people were with Townsend and go from one extreme to the other, then um, we'll be okay. I think as well, you know, just to, to finish it off, you, you, you again just have to look at what someone like Pochettino, well, not someone like, like what Pochettino did with Ricky Lambert, um, and then look at a player like Kane who's in a similar mould albeit a lot younger, a lot fitter, um, and with the potential to probably be a hell of a lot better naturally than Ricky Lambert is. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's encouraging. It's, yeah, he's almost a, a, an amalgamation of Lambert and Jay Rodriguez um, in the ways that they were used at, um, at Southampton. Um, I think Lambert's a bit, as you say, Lambert's hampered, hampered by the fact that he's he's so slow and he's, he's ever so slightly... Um, rounder than you'd want a, a professional footballer at that level to be. But um Kane has got all the skill suits. He's he's got the, the dead ball ability and the 
and the strikers we've seen to do something like that and the intelligence in the extra yard and whatnot that have encouraged people to compare him to Sheringham. So there's everything there that he needs. He just he, needs he's, to be... He's, one thing I have noticed, right, he's, he's obviously he's not lightning fast, but he's 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 fairly quick as well, Kane, actually. Um I think, he's one, observation, but. I think he's gonna he's one of those players that is quick over a, a short shot you know, like a, a ten yard space rather than a, a sprint across the field. I mean he'd he'd probably do well in a in a fifty metre dash rather than a hundred metre one. Um because there there are players that just a better of a shot distance. I think Adi is one of those who's got a, a good turn of pace, but you wouldn't ever describe him as one of the, the quickest blokes in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, Adebayor. Let's let's. There's another segue there, Baines, um, into the Southampton game. Um, it's a fantastic performance. That, um, really, I mean, well, maybe the performance wasn't fantastic, but it's a fantastic result at least. Um, off the back of the one-one Arsenal away, and then coming back and beating the Premier League's second most formed team. Um, it's pretty good. What were your main takeaways from from the match to start us off? I am, I, as I have done most this season, I'm, I'm really enjoying how our 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 three behind the striker mainly are, are starting to understand each other's game and, and swap with each other. Especially, um, I think the balance there that I imagine was was what was foreseen when they were brought into the club last summer. It's finally getting to be seen a year later um, between Ericsson, Chadley and Lamella. Um, they all they all have to have turns in the middle at 10. They all drift out wide when they need to. Um, and I think Chadley especially, he's getting a lot of headlines. And I mean, we, well, I say we, I mainly take the piss out of him slightly with tongue in cheek and, and have, a, have this adoration for him because of the, the rumours of his of his uh, extracurricular activities off the field. But um, there's a really good article written about Chadley after the uh, North London Derby by Michael Cox, uh, who does the Zona Marking website. And he compared him loosely uh, to Pedro Rodriguez, who plays for Barcelona. And um, he said that Pedro isn't the, isn't the star of that side and he knows he's not going to be, which is what makes him good. And the functionality of a player like that who will do his role to a T so well and will pop up with the with the defensive contributions and the, the correct passes and the odd goal here and there purely because he's happy to do his job and let the other people be the star of the side and he doesn't have aspirations to, to try and uh, try and outshine anyone because he does that role so well because he's just a, a pure team member and, and such a functional player he allows the rest of the team to be better. And I think that's I think that's a fantastic um, comparison. It's not not one I would have, have perhaps stretched to because I think a, if a Tottenham writer had compared a, a Barcelona player to Chadley, then I think we would have. Uh, I think I'd have got pilloried for that. But I know. Uh, let's be honest. But Michael Cox is an Arsenal fan, and the fact that he's making he's making comparisons like that and saying that Chadley has the ability to perform a, a similar role within our side is, is fantastic and, and one that I, I wholeheartedly agree with. I think he's he's finally settled into the side, and we can see that his his ability to find that yard of space in the box and be in the right place is, is fantastic. And it was it was uh, unlucky that he didn't score on the weekend. Perhaps he could have done a little bit better, but um, he was only there's an inch or two in in the post either side that. That puts that in um, when it where where he strikes it, and mm. the the fact that he's making those runs and, and knows that he's going to be found with them is is impressive. So I'm I'm very happy with those three. 
I think one of the things I'm going to note about Lamella at the moment is as, as soon as he starts scoring, I think he's going to get the praise that he rightly deserves at the moment that probably isn't receiving. Because um, I'm, I'm noticing quite a few people still saying, oh, well, you know, it's going to take him time to settle, and, which is true. It's a true observation. You know, let's not forget this is essentially Lamella's first season at Spurs now. Um, and if this was, because that's the problem, people's expectations on him are skewed by the fact that we have technically had him for a year, and this is technically his second season. But in terms of as really as a first team player for us, this is his first season. And if we'd have bought him and he was playing at this level already, you'd be happy. You know, you would be happy with how he's performing. Um, but it, it just seems as though, like as you say the way in which he's playing in such a succinct fashion with the other two, um, and Adebayor as well, to be fair, not to leave Adebayor, because he had a very good game against Southampton, I felt. Um, but Lamello just seems to be that he's he's forever harrying. He's, he's trying to get on the ball, and when he is using it, he's getting it and he's releasing it quickly. He's always looking for a forward pass. He's always looking for runners. He's always creating space for the other, pe- for the other players around him. Um, and it's just, there's just some really, really encouraging signs there from the lads. Um, and just as soon as he starts scoring some goals, because I think they are coming. He's, he's, he, you can see he's been firing off a few rangefinders recently. Um, and as soon as he's, he, he starts hitting the target, I think a few more people are going to sort of sit up and say, actually, this lad is, he is very, very talented and he is very good. But unfortunately, just the, the nature of you know the way in which football is reported on more often than not, it comes down to goals. And we saw that we saw that a lot with Modric when we used to have Modric. You know, people would always say, "Yeah, Modric is all right, but he, he, he doesn't really score that many goals." Which again was a you know was a sound observation. But when you actually kind of separated yourself from that way of thinking and noted that. Modric isn't actually there to score goals for us. You could see the, the positive effect that he had on the team, but it's not really a fair comparison because Lamella you know, should be scoring goals really in the position that he's in, and that is a part of his function, I would argue, um, within a team and as a player like he is. But anyway, I like Lamella. I think he's decent, and I think we're, we're starting to see good things from him. Um, yeah, I, I want to... Uh, uh, Praise as well for uh, Ian Kapu, who's been fantastic. Um, I think he's he's made that defensive role his own. Um, and the 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 way we're transitioning much quicker between defence and attack has a lot to do with how well he and Mason are starting to play the ball um, when they first win it back. And um, I think that that you know it, it, his form explained some reason between the injuries to Sandra and. And the form we're seeing from Kapu is, is explanation for that that transfer uh, all, all, as much as we need, really. Um, hopefully he doesn't get injured as badly as he was last season because he seems to be, I think he's just got one of those bodies, um, uh, but genetically that seems to be able to, to pack on weight um, if he's not not at the top of his game. Because as we saw when he got injured last season, he, he sort of came back a little bit slower, a little bit stodgier, um, didn't look like his shirt was fitting as loosely as it once did. But um, now he's he's playing fantastic as one of our standout players, and um, on the on the same pitch as Morgan Schneidlin that people pined after all summer, he um he sort of showed that perhaps that's a, a signing that isn't as high a priority as perhaps people had assumed it was in the summer. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and you, you touched on the lad there as well. Um, but going to Ryan Mason again, another another sound performance from him. Um. 
I, I mean, I don't think we're... I mean, it's, it's probably unfair to say, but I don't think we're ever looking at him being a superstar for us. But in terms of being a, a solid squad member, the type of player that probably isn't going to kick off too much if he doesn't start every single week, we couldn't ask for anything more, really. I think that the lads, to step up, as he has done... Um, into kind of, you know, first-team Premier League action. He he just looks a natural. He looks very kind of assured. He looks very composed. His passing's pretty crisp. I mean, there was a few wayward balls here and there, but that was more a result of him actually trying some of the riskier passes that we often call out for players like Dembele to, to, to give a go to. You know, he releases the ball first time. Um, again, he looks for runners. He always seems to have his head up. Uh, and he's got a very good first touch as well. I think, you know, the lad is, uh, I think he's a, a very decent little footballer. Um, yeah, completely agree. He um, he reminds me a lot of a man close to my heart, um, James Milner. He um, he does a lot of a lot of unglamorous um, good work. He, he wins the ball back. He, as you say, he's, he, he rarely puts a foot wrong, but he, he's not going to be a player that, you know, takes on an entire squad and scores, but he's going to be an essential part of the side if he's allowed to be, um, especially through the middle as well. Um, he's got an eye for a pass that perhaps people don't appreciate as much. He, his vision, uh, if you if you kind of do like a, a player cam and just kind of keep an eye on him as he's playing, he's one of those that you always see whenever he's running anyway. He's, he's checking over both of his shoulders. He's always thinking a pass or two ahead. Um, he's got a decent strike on him, and he'll always he'll always be happy to contribute, and he'll always be an asset. And I think that's the only player that I can think of that's, that's English and, and is, is as selfless and that and plays in, in, in a similar manner when he's allowed to is is James Milner. So I th- I, if he can become a player like uh, like Milner is now, then I'd, I'd be delighted. It's, but, um, it is interesting as well, like with Milner, because we we can talk to uh, talk to the City lads about this in just a minute. Um, but he's he's a player that's. You know, figuring a lot more for Man City at the moment as well. Um, off derided, but you know, for him to still be staking a staking a claim amongst their kind of litany of stars shows you that that type of player is, you know, it, it is a welcome commodity in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those people. He's one of those people, James Milner, that's so in love with the game. He's so happy to play. I remember when. When I was at high school, and he's a few years ahead of me, um, he wasn't allowed to play for the high school side because he played for Leeds United and played for England at that time as well. But he he just uh, he'd lie to Leeds and he'd, he'd play for the high school anyway without really having permission to, just because he enjoyed playing so much. And if he'd have got injured on one of those, then the club would have probably had something to say about it. But just that application and that want to to win and that that love for the game and the professionalism that both of them seem to have. Obviously, we've not really seen enough of Mason now to, to kind of make any sort of conclusions about his character, but I've not heard anything derogatory about him so far, which is, is encouraging. Um, they both seem to have their head screwed on, which is as important as anything in this in this day and age in football with, with the money involved. I mean, if you want to look at a player who, who has all the talent in the world and, and is young and, and could be playing for a massive side if he had his head on head on properly, I mean, you'd have to look further than someone like Ravel Morrison, who's just a you know a waste of talent at the moment. He's just a because he's because he's not professional in, in any aspect of the word. He's um he's a wasted vessel in in a way that Ryan Mason isn't. Uh, yeah, it just seems like a generally unpleasant little chap. Does uh. 
Trevor Morrison. But uh, anyway, let's uh, less less Morrison and more Milner. Um, we have a intimidating fixture this week. I'm sure you're aware against uh, the well the reigning champions, Manchester City, and we are joined by Alex Timperley of Typical City. So, yeah, I, I always start these little segments by saying so, but I'm going to keep with that because I'm unprofessional and not very good at this. Um, Alex, hi, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure. We're not joined by Mr Rob Pollard this week. Have you, have you two had a Barney or something? Uh, no, nothing like that. I think he's just busy other other bleach uh, report commitments and things like that. Oh, uh, I see, I see. He was, he was off in Portugal, wasn't he, saying Morris uh, earlier yeah, he oh, was. He right. had a good time. He got Morrissey's shirt, I believe. Oh, do you? All Man City. How how are you? How are you finding the season thus far as reigning reigning champions? It's it's nice, you know. Um, but yeah, we 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 seem to be getting not not ignored, but maybe passed over a lot of the media who seem to assume that Chelsea are going to win it already. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very strong, our Chelsea. But I think we are as well. It's quite a comfortable place to be in there because you you were kind of there last year as well. That Liverpool were kind of getting all the plaudits. Man United were being made fun of a lot. Arsenal were kind of being Arsenal. Chelsea never really kind of got into a proper vein of form, but you were just kind of consistent throughout and then kind of won it. It was it was kind of it, it almost felt like when Man City won the league last year that. Because it obviously wasn't as dramatic as the first time you guys did. Well, in recent memory, the first time you guys won it um, with the Aguero winner. Um, But when you did see it in the end, it was just kind of like, well, yeah, that makes sense, really, actually. Um, You you separate all the hype of Liverpool side. You know, they weren't ever going to win the league, were they? No, I mean, really, they were. They always looked like they were going to fall somewhere. Um, the difference, obviously, the Aguero was an amazing moment, but the way we won it last year, kind of, it was professional rather than anything else, I think. Whereas the Aguero one was kind of more spontaneous and, oh my God, that was great. Whereas it felt, felt a bit more professional. It kind of belonged at the top of the table, if that makes sense. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely outperformed you in terms of... Uh embarrassing social media posts and <laughs> hideous hideous makers dream fan banners but you know there you go well they outperform everyone in that don't they? <laughs> um but uh, so i you know you you, you hold hope still that you, because as you say chelsea they do look they do look remarkably strong i mean i think like one of the things i've noted myself um and a few other people you know that like do this kind of stuff for a job. Um, I have noticed is that Yaya Toure kind of hasn't kicked off that well this year so far. And I mean, obviously, you know, when someone sets the bar as high as he had done in previous seasons, when they're not playing up to, you know, when they're performing, they're still obviously a remarkable footballer, um, which Yaya Toure seems to be. But at the same time, he, he doesn't seem to still have that same kind of I don't know, je ne sais quoi about <laughs> how it's football this year. Um, your hopes hang in the balance with his form at all, or is that just me being a knee-jerk mug? No, it's, it's 
honestly, it, it it's a tough one. It, it, last season, as you pointed out, it was phenomenal. It was probably probably the I'd say the best mid season for a midfielder I can remember. Uh, just it was outstanding. He not just scored lots of goals, the ones he scored were generally pretty spectacular. Um he won us lots of games on his own. And bearing in mind you know, his age, he's old, I guess. You know, you've always got to have the caveat relatively. He's old for a footballer. Mm. Getting, especially for one who plays like he does, very physically. Um, and he, I think we, we knew before the season he was never going to have another year like last year. That's fine. Um, the separate issue is his form this year is a bit not been fantastic. But the thing with Torre is, look, for whatever reason, whether it's how much he's paid or, you know, whatever, he, he seems to. It seems to, as soon as he has a bad couple of games in a row, people are very, very fast. And this isn't aimed at you, obviously. This is aimed mostly at the other City fans who say these things, to be honest. They're very fast to say he's lazy and um, he needs to be dropped. And you know, Do you, do you ever call him an, an absolute disgrace, Alex? Or? I don't know. Um, I, know I, I try not to because I'm afraid of getting, getting uh, caught by that fellow on Twitter and retweets people who say things like that yeah um, no the thing about Torre is that he's 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 obviously an extremely good footballer we we have to change we have to kind of evolve the team this season and next and live without him because he's not going to be around forever um, and to be honest we should be building the team around David Silver and James Milner anyway personally I think but, yeah. oh you're speaking Roger's language there what James Milner Oh what? Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. Double Premier League winner. I think I think me and Raj have had this conversation before actually about Mecham England captain. Oh absolutely. He's Indeed. unbelievable. I love that boy. Strong Yorkshire, strong England, yeah. It's not even strong Yorkshire, his parents <laughs> live round the corner. <laughs> nah, he's a good he's a good lad, is James. He's uh absolutely made up for him that he's playing the way he is this year. He's and, uh, yeah. He's definitely boring James Milner. It it's I swear this is like the biggest in joke that's that happens in football. Like what it, that he's actually running that account? Yeah, he, I swear it's him. It wouldn't surprise me because he's got a very very dry sense of humour. I don't know if you watched the England press conference. No, th- this is exactly what I base it on, man. Like when because did you ever see the interview when he was actually talking about the account as well? Yeah. Yeah, he gets asked about it every single time he's on camera. Yeah, and he, and he replies to it in such like. A typically kind of boring James Milner fashion when he talks about it. He's like, I don't think it, it is someone I know, but it could be. And if it is, then they will be in trouble because the tweets are sometimes quite bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, he does it in such a sort of, I don't know. I, I just think it's... It wouldn't it's, surprise me. Yeah. And if, it, if it did turn out to be him, it just make me love him even more. Yeah. The thing I love about James Milner the most is the fact that he does, he does quite a lot off the field. And you know, when, when players are quite philanthropic, it's often to, to do a with their own personal image and with the press, and they often make a, a deal of having, you know, pictures taken of him. You see him in the paper. You'll see him tweeting about it or whatnot. But he keeps himself to himself. The amount of work he does in the, the local community, and he's he's even got a, his own um, foundation that he's set up that nobody ever really knows about because, he, as I say, he keeps himself to himself. He's doing that work. I think he he pretty much funded a a rebuild of a local cricket club around here during the summer um, on his own, or at least a good chunk of it he did, while you've got the likes of Yaya Torre throwing a fit over his birthday cake. The foundation, as you say, James Milner's one is fantastic. Um, and 
it's very it's very low key and I like that about him. The only time you ever see pictures of it really all year is the annual kind of party thing he tries, right? As far as I know, I think he makes city players players pay lots of money for a table at it for the field and when he goes to his thing. But other than that, yeah, it's all it, it does great work. All, it's one of those things all the details you hear of it are just kind of unambiguously good. You know, there's no there's no underlying motive or anything. He's just a, I think he's just a good good guy. Who's been our performer so far this year, mate? Do you reckon? Who's been our what? Sorry, the yeah, your start performer. Oh, that's David Silva, same as every year. Yeah, he's, he's just the best. He's the best player in the league. What more so than Paulinho? I uh, I would say so. I mean, my main memory of uh, Paulinho is his his atrocious World Cup showing in those first couple well, of games. It, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that good, mate. Ah, oh, yeah, it was. What was it? He touched that that game where Fernandinho came on for him at half time. Fernandinho touched the ball more times in the first three minutes than Paulinho had in a half or something. <laughs> kind of, I felt, I quite, I felt quite bad for Paulinho watching it. But you're all about Nathan Chadley these days, anyway. Oh, he's a, he's a glorious man. Have you seen the pictures of him in his pants? Uh, I think I think I've seen many pictures of him that you've put up online <laughs> over the last couple of months. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, it's just yeah, he's, he's a good lad. Um, there's a I, I I don't I don't fully get it, but there's a there's a thing going around at the moment where people say that he 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 he's smooth skinned like a dolphin. I think they're actually talking about the the texture of his willy, um, but <laughs> but it's kind of led to him being called the dolphin now in certain circles. So um, that's bizarre. Yeah, that's a bit of Spurs Spurs <laughs> fan trivia for you there, Alex. Thank you. I just like the fact that he's he's so comfortable in his own body that he goes on these model shoots and just messes about. There's videos of him on YouTube, which you may have seen. I, I cut up into several vines and played the likes of Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye over the top of him. And uh, he's just uh, he's, he's an absolute wonderful human being. Um, I think uh, I, the way I put it on the weekend is because he's got these uh, these rumours about the way in which he behaves off the field and apparently he's a, he's a regular at Oceana on the weekend. Um, when he assisted the goal, I went, uh, NASA Chadley doesn't do assists, he just wingman's goals. Nice. <laughs> so he's a, he's, a, he's a personal hero of mine. I hope any child I have grows up to be just like him. <laughs> I'll t- t- tell you what, what here's, here's a little nice little debate I'll get going between you two. I'll just throw the cap between the pigeons here. What is this? What is your favourite Libertine song? No, <laughs> and I'm not going to ask you about Man City's financial doping either, Raj, because I know you and you and Rob fell out about that in the past, didn't you? So, yeah. It's because moral, uh, Rob's got no morals, and that's why he refuses <laughs> to show his face on the podcast anymore. He is joking, Rob. Don't don't take it too seriously. I'll, I'll pass it on to Paula. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, I... Ask him about ask him about uh, Morrissey's thoughts on the Chinese as well. While you're at it, because. They're also some of my favourite topics. Okay, no, I'll pass all this along and see what happens. Uh, you, you, you and Pollard, you're best of mates, aren't you, Baines? So it's a loving relationship. I think you like <laughs> each other. I think you, you'd get on well. I think, I think we're scarily similar. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Stubborn, principled men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote a little thing. Well, I was invited to write a, a, a little piece for Typical City, the site that Alex oversees at the start of the season. And one of the questions I was asked was, which 
one player from Man City, if I choose one, would I take? And I went for Vincent Company, which you, de- which you derided, <laughs> Raj, mate. You derided that. Now, first things first. Why is that? Well, when you come in to ask one of the two of us to write something for you, why would you pick Jack over me? Why would you pick I think you? He was on at the time, I'm not getting. I'm not getting in the middle of this. It's basically you can have reasons, kind of articulate every man or smug nerd. Come on, <laughs> I, which which way are they going to go, Baines? Come on. When you pick Vincent Company as the player you'd most like to have, that's what? Just, oh, it's a, Jesus come on, this, this is this is pre-season when we had who a, a crocked Eunice Kabul at the back, and Kirikesh was also crocked, the Tongan who wanted out, and we hadn't even signed Fazio yet. You know, you've got the choice of like Aguero and Silva and Yaya Torre. But instead, you'd rather have company. Who, Bill from the back, son. Bill from the back. Well, this is my point about Vincent Company. When he's more than five yards away from his own box, he forgets how to defend, and he just makes the most ridiculous decisions in the world. That's I mean, fun. on his line, on his line, when he's deep, he's fantastic. And a couple of seasons ago, his form was right up there. But in the past year or two, and and it's been a, a feature of his game for quite a while, to be honest. When whenever he decides that he's going to step up when he's not with the ball, when he's not in possession, when he's actually doing defending, and he's got to step out of the line to do it, he either gets sent off or misses his man to such a degree that the, the, there's so much space left behind him that the opposition are going to have a chance. It's a, it's a huge flaw to his game that is exploited at least once a match. And this isn't me over-exaggerating. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Because he's a fantastic player. The fact that he does lose his head on such a consistent basis when he steps up is not befitting of a, of a player who's often lauded as one of the best centre-backs in the world. Take him to task, Alex. Do it, son. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. For instance, his uh, mistake against Roma, which led, led to the equaliser, was not fantastic. But I'm not, I'm not really... One of, one of the strengths of his game is when he steps out with the ball. Uh, yeah, that's with the ball, without it. He steps out to get the ball. I mean, a couple of times against Hull this season, um, he, he stepped out about 30, 40 yards from the goal, intercepted it and ran up with it, and it was it was beautiful to watch. It really was. He has his hot-headed yep. moments. That's, that's fine, because his hot-headed moments win us more points than they lose us. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with it. And also, it's nice to have, have a player who's not... Disgrace off the field. We've had our fair share of those. 
and it's, it's nice every now and again. Baines, would you have company over Koscielny? Or Bosselny, I should say. Oh, God, you're going to start massive fights with this, aren't you? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely have company over Koscielny. I think there's a the statistic that since Koscielny's been in the Premier League, no player has given away more penalties or received more red cards than he has. Um, which sort of gives you an idea. Um, they're both fantastic defenders uh, in their given areas, but they're they're not as rounded as you'd as as their given fan bases would uh, would uh, give the impression of. Um, I mean, I, I don't think we've got a defender that's as good as they are um, consistently, but I don't think they're anywhere as, as close to the level as some people uh, like to to pretend they are. Who, yeah. who, who, who do you think's better in the Premier League than in company, Baines? Oh, now you're asking. Um, we haven't got a real good choice of centre-backs in the Premier League, to be honest. I, I really like Nastasic when he first came into the side before his injury. I thought he was, he was a fantastic player. He, he complemented company very well. Um, I thought he was he was much better at uh, reading the game further up the park than company was, but he seems to have tailed off. Yeah, what's what's uh, happened there, Alex? Just quick, sorry to jump in there, Baines, but it's a, it's a good point because um, I'm a massive fan of Stasic as well when he first came in. But um, do you... we all are. He's just he, he got that injury, which, to the best of my knowledge, we, I still don't really know what it is. It was kind of I've seen it described as a mystery knee injury, which. Could be anything, couldn't it? Really, we know um, about uh, centre backs with mystery knee injuries, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> but I mean, when when he came back, he it kind of coincided with when Demich Ailis had just suddenly kind of transformed into this superhero defender, which we all saw in the second half of last season. But it was always going to be a struggle to get his place back. And then it, I think he's just fallen into that unfortunate cycle of. Struggling to get his place back, which means he's struggling to pick up form, which means when he does play, he's maybe not at the top of the game and you know, he looks a bit exposed. And he, He's 21. He's a young kid, but unfortunately I can see him I can see him leaving to one of the Italian clubs in January. He's not going to play this uh, January, in my way. Um, Mangala's the future, I guess is probably the word for it. But I mean, that... He looked a bit ropey the other day, didn't he? Pardon? He, he, he had a bit of a ropey performance the other day, Mangala. Yeah, his game against Hull wasn't fantastic. I mean, he, when his debut against Chelsea was awesome. It was the best debut, City debut I've seen since Aguero's against Swansea. Um, he was just fantastic. Every time Diego Costa tried to fight him, Costa ended up on the floor. Uh, Mangala just, he, he was excellent. But then against Hull, he... Uh, gave away a stupid penalty, headed in known goal, and he looked a bit. He, he looked. He looked as you'd expect a young central defender, kind of suddenly introduced to the Premier League against a team like Hull. Um, uh, you know, he, he's young. He's got time, and he's fast. Very, very fast. He's, uh, he's strong as well. Big fellows, good and good in the air. He'll be fine. But between that and Demichelis being the first backup. Yeah, Nastasic will be off, I think. But how it goes, isn't it? But the thing with Mangala goes back to when when Raj was struggling with the better centre back and company in the Premier League. I think there's a real dearth of quality, top top quality centre back, kind of all over Europe. Really, I mean, we paid such a high price for Mangala because I mean, who else is there who's for sale? Who's up to the top quality? I can't really think of many. 
you know, I don't know what Tottenham are looking for a centre back, aren't you? I don't know if we are. I don't, I don't think there's any for sale. I, can, I think there's probably a handful that are better than the likes of company, but I don't think any of them for sale, no. Well, yeah, this is this is what I mean. I mean, Benatia went to Bayern. He's meant, you know, I, I pretend I watch lots of Italian football week in week out, but he's very highly rated. He was fantastic for Roma last season. Yeah, but then I mean, who else is there who's relatively young, like Varane? Real Madrid aren't going to sell Varane, are they? No, I mean... Thiago Silva. Off, yeah, PSG, he's, he's not going to go. I mean, off the top of my head, the best... The best defenders I can think of are probably Sergio Ramos, Rafa Varane, uh, Mats Hummels, who's probably available out of all of them. Hummels is probably the one you probably got the best chance of buying because Dortmund are the sort of club that could could fold if a certain amount of money is, is dangled in front of them. Um, if United don't get there first. Um, and then there's what, Badge Stuber, who's, who's permanently injured. It's going to be the sharp end of 30 million, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not going to be cheap, but um, I mean, he's the only the only flaw to his game is that he's a little bit slower than you'd perhaps want him to be. But he he reads the game and fantastic. He was he was faultless pretty much for Germany in the World Cup, and he's a threat both sides of the pitch. So um, I think he's he's right up there. And then Diego Godin as well, um, who's who's been fantastic the past few seasons for Aleti. So um, they're the ones that you could you could probably get after, but. Um, I don't see many of them like actively searching to leave. No. Hey, fuck centre backs. Who cares? Um, <laughs> who? Uh, what have you made of Spurs this year, Alex? Just out, out of interest. I. It's a tough one. You've been a weird. You know, some of the time I've seen you've been played some amazingly nice football, but other times you've just seen kind of the same Spurs. I don't want to say basket case, but you just yeah. very. You do, like, I don't know, you just do stupid things on the pitch or kind of capitulate in weird ways. And it seems to be half and half. I enjoy watching Spurs because I'm never really sure what's going to happen, which is which is interesting. I think for the past couple of seasons, like Spurs, Spurs' biggest capitulation seemed to kind of occur in the, I guess, like the, the pre-match team talk. Like in the games where we really just don't perform, it seems like from the first, from the first kind of blow, um, Sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? From the first blow of the whistle, like we just don't turn up. And I think it, I, I know it sounds again. It sounds like one of these kind of like Jamie Redknappisms to say this, but when Spurs haven't performed, regardless of managers for the past uh, like season and a half, it seems like abundantly clear about ten minutes into the game that it's just going to be one of those days. Um, and it's it's really irritating because I, I I I guess it's a, a personnel thing, and I I hope Pochettino manages to to work this out of the players. Um, but it just seems that we we have quite a few characters that when things aren't going our way, they, there's there's not an awful lot of fight there. I mean, a lot of people have put that down to kind of us not having a real leader um, in the team, um, which is is. Probably a, a fair enough point, um, but it just—I don't know—it does feel like there is still something a little bit off. But the past couple of games have been very encouraging, Arsenal and and Southampton. So uh, we'll see where where that takes us. Um, yeah, Derby game played quite well, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, are you uh, are you foreseeing a a result similar to last season when we visited the Etihad though this year? You know what? I am. I think, if I remember correctly, last year I predicted a 4-0. Mm. Uh, got 
fairly panned for, for a year of rise and it turned out to be too conservative, if anything. Um, I don't think it will be like last year. I can't see Navas scoring after 30 seconds again and setting it off. But I still think we'll win. I think we'll probably score one. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll win fairly comfortably. How do you see yourself lining up, like, you know, personnel, man-for-man type thing? Um, well, the biggest thing in midfield, I guess, Fernandinho is out for a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if you saw, he pulled up his hamstring in our last game. But then Fernando's back. Uh, so, and he's been excellent this season. 12 million quid. You know, we sold Javi Garcia for more than that, I think. We got, uh, got Fernando, who's just been... He came over with the nickname The Octopus, which I thought was one of those weird European <laughs> things. Uh, but it, it turns out to actually be fairly accurate. He seems to have kind of extendable limbs and be everywhere. It's great. It's really good to watch. You, you'll quite enjoy him, I think. He's one of those That's not... It's not a good omen. Gomez came to us with the same nickname, so he's doing really well at Watford now. So <laughs> hopefully he doesn't have the same same career trajectory as the, the last octopus to come to the Premier League. I, I've got to say, I, I always enjoyed seeing Gomez kind of catch the ball and throw it backwards. It was, it was great. Or let it go straight through his hands. I was going to say, yeah, I'll drop it into his own net. That was good. That was really always always a laugh. Oh yeah, it definitely was. I was I was in hysterics every time he kind of threw the points <laughs> away for us. I loved it. It was um it was fantastic the night that we beat City at the Etihad the, uh, the night we qualified for the Champions League though. I'm not I'm not oh, as, yeah, a, as a piss take because it, it was genuinely good that night. I mean, I can remember Tevez had a couple of one on ones with him that he he did incredibly well to save, and that was the most frustrating thing about him. In all honesty, the fact that he could be just so good um, when <laughs> when it suited him, and then just make the most basic mistakes and as you say just uh, the one that sticks out the most for me is uh, probably the one against uh, Fulham where it literally did go right the way through him and I, he did a similar thing against Real Madrid as well. I, I, I'll no doubt get called out for this and I'll probably get in trouble but honest to God that his performance in that season against Arsenal at home I don't. I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen a goalkeeping performance as just well-rounded and just incredible as he was that evening. Like I don't know if you remember it that well, Raj, but he was just yeah, completely. It was bafflingly good, phenomenal. Like, he made. If he could do that, how can he? Concentration, so, mate. Just concentration. He, he would just switch off. Just completely switch off in games. Like you could actually see, like in some of the games where he makes those ridiculous mistakes, the Fulham one that Raj is talking about, he's not even paying attention to the game. It's almost like he's got that thing of like, oh shit, the ball's coming at me and it's too late. And <laughs> he's just let a goal like in the most ridiculous fashion. And that kind of thing happened so many times. Like happened against, uh, was it Chelsea? He had another awful game like that where he just kind of like pretty much dropped the ball in front of Drogba, who was just phenomenal mm. at the time. Um, no, there was one where, there was the Chelsea game at um, where Drogba smashed one straight at him, and to be fair, it was hit like a rocket. So there wasn't there was slightly more understandable. But there was the one where we we'd gone one up away at Stamford Bridge. I think it was the game where Sandro scored a screamer, and they let a Frank Lampard shot all the way through his legs, but he clawed at the ball and stopped it before it had gotten over the line. But the goal they, it was before goal line technology, and they gave it as a goal even though it wasn't. But the, the mistake was so bad that it, you can almost understand why the referee gave it. We was yeah. we was robbed. Well, it's funny because a lot of the things you're saying about Gomez, you know, he has a blinder, but he makes some 
kind of unreal mistakes. Kind of apply a lot of that at heart at the moment. He, he's fairly frustrating on a regular basis to watch these days. You're going to buy for you, Galleries, aren't you? Oh, I love that. That would be fantastic. I fucking wouldn't. I'm sure. He's your best player by what? Quite a long way. By a country in miles. <laughs> just, it just, it's not even worth comparing, is it? Like, no. I'd love Lloris. He's fantastic. And also, Do you not think- he's great at, uh, his, his distribution's pretty good, which is Hart's, one of his weakest points. The amount of times he just gives the ball back to the opposition is really disheartening. Yeah. Do you think that um, before the end of the season it'll be uh, Willy Caballero in that full time? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Pellegrini obviously likes him. Um, and he's good. He's good, Caballero. And I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Mate, then- tab, tab journalists are itching for him to start playing for you. Like, you know they are. Because he looks like... Pellegrini likes <laughs> Willy. Well, even pictures of him, he looks like he killed people. It's great, but... <laughs> It looks like one of the uh, twins from Breaking Bad, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Fuck it. Yeah, I, I retweet the Man City official account pictures occasionally because whenever he's in it, I don't know what it is. When you put a camera in front of him, his eyes glaze over and he just looks like he's got no soul. It's really scary. <laughs> yeah, it's worth looking out for. Like he does book signings and he just looks at little. You see a picture of him signing the book to a little kid and just staring at them with his dead eyes, and it's great. I like that. I always got that from Vidic a bit. Like, Vidic always had that look of a man that's kind of slit someone's throat before. <laughs> that's and, very true. And well, probably... This is, this is uh, old Vidic, before this season's Vidic, where he just looks like a scared child quite a lot of the time. Yeah, nice. He's not having a good time in Italy. No, I've heard he's not at all. And neither's Torres, apparently, so... That's not a surprise, is it? No, it's not. It's not. Man's a bit of a joke. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll see Cavalier the rest of the season, but... Hart has historically been better when he's got actual good competition. And that's a bit cliche to say it, but it happens to be true in Joe Hart's case. Um, Do you reckon you'll be playing, just to to jump to a completely different position, do you think you'll be playing two up the top? Will you be playing Aguero and Jacko? Yeah, I would think so. We've been it's been it's been working quite well for us recently. Um yeah, and also Jacko's in one of those Runs of form that you might as well use it before it inexplicably disappears for three months. It's pretty intimidating, that isn't it? Baines, Checo, and Jacko and Aguero at the moment. Yeah, they're doing really well. Um, do you share um, Rob's? Uh, Rob, Rob didn't really. Last time we spoke to him, he didn't really like Jacko. Is that is that something you share? I I go through moments. Jacko, thing about Jacko, he he's obviously a good striker. I mean, that's that's clear. Um, he's outrageous goals I mean for instance what was it a couple of seasons ago and he scored four against you I'd say three of them were just kind of ridiculous undefeatable goals but the thing is he'll do that and he'll go through purple patches and he'll score important goals and then when he, when he's off form he's really bad like he can't control the football for a couple of weeks you know ball bounces off him kind of 10 yards in the other direction the thing about that is that's fine. That's that's normal for the off form. But the thing is, there's absolutely no predicting it. And he could score a couple in one game, and then he won't score for 10, 10 games afterwards. And he just becomes a liability. But then he'll suddenly flip back into in looking world-class. And it's bizarre. I don't, I don't dislike him, but I, I find it hard to 
for instance, with Aguero, I've, I place unconditional trust and love in Aguero, but I find that difficult to do with Dzeko. I mean, it's, I've, I think we said it the last time we spoke to you, or at least I said it, but he uh, he just he reminds me of, obviously a better version of, but he just reminds me a lot of Pavlyuchenko and how he was at Spurs, really. Um, yeah. As I said, I wouldn't. If, I, if I had a choice between him and Aguero, it'd be Aguero every time I'd be so we'll uh, we'll send it on. What's your uh, what's your call for the scoreline, Alex? So four, I'll, I'll go three-one this time. Three-one. Three-one. Okay. City, obviously. Conservative, conservative. Um, yeah. Right. Well, thank you very much for for lending us your time this evening, Alex. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. As long as oh. it's yeah, we think we kind of champion you now as opposed to United because we don't <laughs> want Chelsea or Arsenal winning the league, basically. Thanks a lot. Good luck for you two as well. I think we'll need it. Um, cheers, Alex. Mate. Oh, it's good. He's a, he's a good one, Alex, isn't he? I like him. Yeah, me too. He's he's, uh, he's from Sheffield, so it's always nice to have another Yorkshireman on. Uh, I didn't know he's from Sheffield. He's a he's a he's from Sheffield. He lives in South East London, but he supports Man City. I I, I have a feeling Alex was supporting Chelsea a few years ago, <laughs> personally. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, again he's 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 got that. I'm not going to say smug, but he's got that a, a confident air about him that our Arsenal guests had the other week, where he doesn't seem in the slightest bit perturbed by us. I'm the um, Southampton one. Yeah, he Steve Steve got he, he he did get a very welcome reception from a few of our listeners. Did our Steve? He's a good lad. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was overly smug about about Southampton. He was maybe a little bit negative about Manchester. I think you know, there's a you can, you can understand it. I think there's a Southampton Southampton wide bitter undertone towards all the people that left them in the summer. To be honest, I don't think it's just Steve. I think it's something that has come out from the the club directly and from the players there's, there. Yeah, there's quite a bit of history between Tottenham and Southampton as well, to be honest, in terms of like off-the-pitch stuff, kind of Rupert Lowe with us taking like Dean Richards, rest in peace, um, in past and the way we kind of acted. We kind of bullied them a bit over that and we bullied them quite a bit over Marion Pahars, who we really wanted at the time and never managed to get. Matt Letissier as well. We've always kind of tried to like... Nick from Southampton, they've always kind of hated us. So, uh, well, that's what you do with these smaller clubs, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, Man City. Um, now, I mean, I, I, I normally, you know, I, I tend to err on the on the side of caution dash negativity with these kind of bigger games, um, as I did with Arsenal. But I think, like the, the kind of the the added steel. Uh, no, it's a bit ridiculous to compare City to Arsenal. We're getting a smashed, aren't we? Um, I would say that this perform this this game would be more about the performance than the result. Um, if we, as long as we conduct ourselves in a much better fashion than we did this time last year, I'll be uh, I'll be very pleased. I don't think anybody should have any sort of expectations going into this whatsoever, because uh, I think that would be a, a very misjudged way to uh, to evaluate this game. As long as those players on the pitch conduct themselves in a similar fashion to what they did at Arsenal. And if we can if we can try and replicate the tactics and the performance of that day, I, I don't think we'll go far wrong, to be honest. Um, I can't see us 
getting anything more than a draw, and that's that's not negativity. That's that's realism. I mean, I'd, I'd love nothing more than a a one nil where the ball bounced in off someone's backside, but I I just can't foresee that happening. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll give them a decent game and and make them them earn a, a point or three. But um, I just want us to to perform, and I think that's a a line that I've I've said for every game this season. Um, as long as we can, we can show that we, we've got it within ourselves to not um, not shrink away from these sort of tests and and, and conduct ourselves in, a, in the best possible fashion possible. I'll, um, I'll I'll be content. I mean, he d- he didn't give us a game for Arsenal, so you've also got hope that maybe Adebayor can can choose this as one of his uh, previous clubs to to get one over. Perhaps because I I don't think we're going to be playing Real Madrid anytime soon, are we? So yeah, I mean, um, there's there's only really been goals missing from his game so far this season. He's, he's he, as he always does. Um, he um, he, he conducts himself in in a fashion in terms of work rate and things as as best as he can. He does drop off. He tends to he tends to do it in fits and starts. But when he does, he he's extremely good. Um, it reminds me of that season a couple of years ago where he wasn't scoring, but he was getting through a lot of hard work and, again, people getting on his back. I don't think he's as good as he was then, but he is he is adept into a new system just as everybody else is. So I wouldn't be too hard on Adibayo whatsoever at the moment. Honestly, like, I, I, I genuinely will stand by my assertion that one of the greatest myths in Premier League history is that Adibayo is lazy. Like, and that's not to say that he... he Fucking is one of the best strikers ever, and he's like, you know, he's this complete terrier. But every game, nearly every single game I watch him play, and he might not score, and he might kind of, you know, do something like a, you know, one of his stupid penalty kicks, like he did last year against Basel, I believe it was. Um, but the lad always runs; he always leaves the pitch dripping in sweat, well, like, and I don't. I don't understand where this perception that he's lazy comes from. Well, I, it just seems so fucking ridiculous. I, I completely agree. I've actually got a a, um, a theory about the word lazy when it's attributed to footballers and uh, specifically in, in which the, the type of player it's used to describe. I mean, if I just ask you, can you think of a, a white footballer currently playing in the Premier League that is regularly described as lazy? No, genuinely can't, to be honest. Now, can you name me a black footballer that's regularly described as lazy? Oh, Adebayo. Yaya Torre. Yeah, good point. Alex Song. Yeah, very can good you see the, Can you see the correlation of these black, um, open-quote, beastly-type players that are often described as lazy? It's just, it, that's, that's what I've had before, like Yaya Torre, how he's called a beast. It's like, but he's not. Like, he's, he's not that kind of beast. You understand it, like, with Sandro, for example. Sandro is kind of, you know, he gets stuck in. He's a, he's a terrier. You'd understand it for a player like Wilson Palacios. You know, and this is, again, I'm not saying this is regardless of racial connotations, just in their style of play. But I never see Steven Gerrard called a beast, for example, and Yaya Toure is a much better player than Steven Gerrard, but I would say they are a similar type of player. Yet Gerrard never seems to get called a beast, but you will see Yaya Toure get called a beast. I know we're going a bit off topic. Yeah, here, I, I mean, I, I, I know what you're I purposely saying, went off topic. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the way in which lazy is used and the, and the players it's targeted as, it's um, it's only one or two steps removed from 
when they used to they used to think that black players couldn't play in the winter because it'd be too cold for them. Um, Didier Drogba was routinely labelled as lazy as well. There's, there's another noting. one. I mean, it's a fun game to play at home if you've got time. Just If you can make a list of white players that, that are regularly by the press and fans alike labelled as lazy and then black players, I'm fairly sure you'll come up with a, a, a list of black players that's, that's as long as your arm compared. And often and it's, often it's, it's not it's, the it's case. Often it's not yeah. the case as well. Um, I mean... Is, Probably the, the clearest sense of the fact that there is still um, there is still some some form of of um, the word I'm looking for discrimination in in this sport is the fact that we've got 92 professional football clubs and uh, do you know how many back managers there are in the 92 professional football clubs? Over one, 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 yeah. one Huddersfield Chris Powell and uh, he's only been in that job for for about a month now, um, so it's uh, it's. By by no means a, a uh, an area in which the game which is is perfect, and I think that those two things we've described are only small facets of it. But um, I mean, I, I don't know what point I'm trying to make. It's just something I I enjoy highlighting because I think it's something that that quite often flies under the radar, and and people often buy into the buy, buy into the thing of, of calling players like Adibai or lazy without really realizing the the sort of rhetoric in which they're they're encouraging and, and buying into. Uh, I think it's quite a, it's almost a, because it's a subconscious form of, of picking out a certain certain type of player and, and attributing it to them. It's almost worse than when people do it do it consciously and and uh, have a have a have a conscious uh, discrimination against people. The fact that it's it's so deep seated that it just occurs without people really giving it two thoughts is uh, is slightly worrying in my opinion. But you know, it's going to be a long while before that's not the case. No, I'd agree with you entirely there, mate. Um, so we're, we're from, from that from, from that serious where, where topic, from let's There's go into no the Bake Off. Shit, yeah, Bake Off. Fuck it, let's do it. Um, why were there only three white finalists on the Bake Off? <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. That's because the, um, the brown Norman fell at the last hurdle. <laughs> the the Queen of Spices. The queen, there you go. The Queen of Spice. That wouldn't have been. You, you don't see Nancy getting called. The, the queen of piping. No. Um, I, 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 my reflection on the Baker final, for me, I called it before I said Nancy's going to win it. And my reason for calling that, and it was just so perfectly displayed, the technical, like the middle when they had to, when they had to, uh, was it like, the scones, the Victoria sponges, in that, both Louis and Richard, right, they they were very good at those kind of the wow, the showstopper pieces. Although this week Richard Showstopper was fucking awful. However, they were very good at kind of upping their game for the big occasion. But there was always those doubts about those two lads, about their actual proficiency just as bakers, as like their foundation in baking. In that it seemed as though like they they kind of had this know-how of like, this is how you make a cake. And so I'm gonna use that and then just kind of, like, build all this extravagant stuff on top of it. Um, but with Nancy, it's like she just had that kind of natural ability. She, she, she was Milner, I would say. She was the James Milner of Bake Off, and uh, she, she just has that ability. She works hard. She has a passion for baking. And on top of her game, where need be, she can add that flair on there as well. 
but she's always got that firm foundation. And with that technical bake, when we had to make those three things, which were very kind of old-fashioned, what, what one might call plain kind of items, but under a highly pressurised environment where they had to cook all three at the same time, simultaneously, um, and deliver them within two hours, that's where she just shone and smashed it. And you could see the other two lads struggled with that. Go, you go, Nancy. I, I was on, I was on Nancy's side there. Fuck, I'm, I'm so impassioned by cake and bake off and everything. The best bit about this is the fact that your bake off analysis is probably more in depth than your football analysis. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, very, very true. The level of, Good the idea. level of insight you provide into the baking world is, is uh, breathtaking. And, uh, and uh, I, I, I still wonder where I got this gut from. <laughs> Although no more. 5.30 gym start this week. Two 5.30 gym starts I've had so far. I'm going to be one of those protein-shaped wankers before you know it. No, I'm, s- I'm smarter than that. I go in the afternoon when it's a bit quieter. I don't like going first thing in the morning. I'm, I'm not a morning it's, person. It's the best time to go, mate. Kickstarts your metabolism. Yeah, I, I go in the afternoon mainly. I, the earliest I probably make it into gym is about 11 in the morning. That's, that's, that's an early, bet, that's an early start for I bet you're one of those bastards that goes and says, I'm going to the gym. You go in, you sit on one of the exercise bikes on your phone with your legs just moving a bit, don't you? And then no. you come out and you're like, oh, I spent like an hour in the gym. No, I um, I, I quite like using the, the free weights and stuff. Like that. I, I love oh, it. dear. You, you, you're a beast mode. No, beast not mode really. I'm, I'm not really the hugest built person in the world, but I, um, I enjoy... No, no racial connotations with <laughs> beast there, by the way. You see, you wouldn't have said that if I was white, Jack. You're one of them too. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? No, I I don't really enjoy doing cardio. I get a bit bored, like uh, running and that. I, I hate it. I mean, the only time I ever run is when I play rugby, and that's better. I mean, speaking of rugby, did you watch? <laughs> what am I saying? Did you watch? Did you see the highlights of, by any chance, the NRL Grand Final of the weekend in Australia? I can quite honestly say no. Well. Drewsbury Bourne and one of my sporting heroes, Sam Burgess, picked up the ball in the first run of the game and broke his eye socket and cheekbone and then played the remainder of the game. 80 minutes worth of rugby with a broken eye socket and cheekbone. It was one of, he, won, he won man of the match. And as the game went on, as the 80 minutes goes on, if you watch the highlights, his, um, his face just gets redder and redder and then a line starts developing around his eye just so dark. Um, it was his last game in uh, in rugby league before he goes to rugby union, where he'll go play for Bath, and obviously he'll have a bit of time out now while his while his face recovers. But um, he was he was amazing. I mean, if you if you want to if you, if you want to know why I love rugby league so much, the, the people listening, um, just go and find the highlights of uh, of that match online. It was uh, it was uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs who won uh, Sam Burgess's team. With uh, his brothers as well, Tom and George were there. Luke was injured, so he didn't play. But they had four brothers all play down there, all from Yorkshire. They're, they're fantastic. And they were playing against uh, Canterbury Bulldogs. If you just 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 go and find the highlights of that and the the application and the things that they do on the rugby field. If you if you're interested in the sport whatsoever, then uh, then go and seek that out because. It was just a fantastic spectacle. I mean, I woke up especially early for it. I said I'm not a, an early morning person, but because it's kicking off in Australia, I had to wake up early in the morning to watch that, and it was, it was well worth my time. So, fucking hell, we're giving the listeners a real treat here. We're talking about Bake Off, 
rugby and gym, like, they're all going to fucking switch stuff. You know what, there. Jack, if I had my way, if I could make a Bake Off Rugby League podcast, then I would never be happier. Um, it's uh, it's uh, two of my favourite things in the world, rugby league especially. Uh, I could I could talk about it for hours, as you could probably tell. I reckon next year we're going to do a Bake Off podcast, right? I thought you were going to say rugby league podcast then. No. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a separate Bake Off podcast and, and start it from the beginning and see how many people we can get on board of the, the Bake Off train. It can't be any worse than that uh, BBC Two programme that Joe Brand uh, does. Oh, I like that, an extra slide. Do you like it? Yeah, it's because I quite like Joe Brand. I see, it's probably because there's a few similarities between me and you, me. And are I, you the, I see a lot of myself in Joe Brand. <laughs> are you the male Joe Brand? Yeah. And do you want me to do you stop calling you the, the Tottenham's Chief Kegwin, Chief Kegwin, Keith Chegwin, and start calling you Tottenham's Joe Brand? I'd rather you didn't call me either, to be honest. Is that one of the options? Can I choose that? Uh, who an option? Neither. No, it's, you, you can pick right here, right now. It's Chegwin or it's Joe Brand. I'll go, I'll go with Joe Brand over Chegwin. Chegwin's just a, a mess, you know. <laughs> Whereas Joe Brand's at least, yeah, at least she's still doing fairly well for herself. Fine, that that's it from your your Tottenham's Joe Brand. I'll um I'll I'll bear that in mind and and always uh, refer to you from from that from now on in. Maybe we can get the uh, get, do a little listen challenge to see where we can get you know any interest. No, I'm not. Even, I can't even think of anything interesting. Something to do with Photoshop. Joe, do something. Do something creative. Anyone that listens, that's creative. Something to do with Joe Brand, Tottenham, Photoshop, me. Do something. Do something good. I feel like we alienate the American listeners when we start talking about such English things as rugby league and Joe Brand. I mean, they probably have no idea who Joe Brand is, or Keith Chegwin, for that matter. I mean, the NFL was at Wembley. Can you? I no, I don't really know. So, what's going up on the site this week, Ben? Uh, we've had a really good uh, post-match uh, piece up from Ian Walker. It's not really good work. Tactical analysis is really good about the, the, the Southampton game, and he's going to be doing them from all the Premier League games. So you can go and find that now. It's a really good read. I think I call it like top three tactical talking points or something like that from the Southampton game. It's, it's really good. Is he on Twitter? Yeah, at, at the new libero, I think it's called. Which is like, oh yeah, I follow him already. Yeah, he's a good lad. It's good value actually. I didn't know we had him on site. It's, it's, it's his first first piece for us. No, he's good. He's good. He's, yeah, he's, he's he's good value that lad. Um, so yeah, we got that going up. You can of course read all the other brilliant stuff. Are you, you going to write some more stuff now, Baines? You seem to have got your mojo back a bit. I wrote that other thing the other day about Polino, where I spent an evening the other day. Um, I got like, what? I haven't seen this. Uh, it's on the site now. Where it's not. It's only about five hundred words long. The main part of it graph I made where I had a look over the past five years of Polino's career and just try to work out how much football he's been playing and it essentially equates to the fact that I think he's had about three or four months off in the past five years um, which is quite frankly ridiculous um, and you can you can see the way in which his career kind of goes up um, and the way in which tournaments start backing onto each other um, and he's, he's just had no breaks whatsoever and I think that's a very large contributing factor to just how 
lethargic he looks at the moment. Um, I think the conclusion I make in the article is that um, I would have been very tempted. I think it's a, an expensive conclusion. I think the conclusion I would have made uh, the uh, the end of the article was that I would have given him an extended uh, period of leave after the World Cup uh, until around the New Year. And I'd have just said, um, report back to us in the right way that you are now. Don't don't get unfit and um, and don't get yourself into any trouble and come back to the club in the new year because he, he, needs, he needs some serious time away from football because uh, I think the way in which I worked it out is all the period he's got off and everything, some of that will have been eroded by the fact that there will have been pre-season matches that they've been involved in, pre-season training and, and uh, national team um, national team friendlies as well for Brazil where they essentially trek the 18 months before the World Cup like a uh, uh, Harlem Globetrotters tour and just spent the entire year while everybody else was qualifying and going from pillar to post playing uh, everyone in between uh, to promote the World Cup so he's, uh, he's had a very rough time over the past five years I'm not making making too big an excuse for the way in which he plays because um, it's not great and I'm not saying he's going to he's going to have a rest and you know I think the way in which I phrased it to I think it was windy the way I actually phrased it to him was I don't think he's going to go and lie on a beach for a month and, and come back as Socrates, but he's um, he, he think he needs time away from, from the pitch and from training and just to, to recharge the batteries. He needs something because he's, he's drivel at the moment. So It's not great, no. It's, I think it's actually got, gotten progressively worse, which which would feed into the, the theory that he, he's getting more and more tired and more and more worn down um, because there's, there's no way that he can... He can be performing at the very highest of his powers without the adequate rest. I don't think there's any sort of sports science people that are going <laughs> to advise that you play f- nothing but football for five years without any breaks. Um, the, f- the fact that you've seen so many players now in the league this year, straight after a World Cup, with so many injuries, the fact that 18 months of solid football isn't doing anyone good, the fact that he's, he's been doing it for five years is, is um, quite bad, actually, I think. One of the only other conclusions that you could come to is the fact that somebody at Tottenham should have should have probably foreseen this and should have probably had a look at the amount of games he'd played and, and how much he was doing and the fact that he would have been coming from another tournament straight into a Premier League season with us and then into another tournament and then straight into a second Premier League season with us. So if we were if we were clever about the way in which we recruited him, we may have uh, we may have decided to overlook that purchase because. This uh, this outcome of him him being being worn out was one that you you maybe could have predicted. I'm not saying I'm not saying I would have done because it's something that I've only uh, only had chance to really discover with hindsight. It's, uh, well, it's something you you imagine when you you're buying something for seventy million pounds, you uh, you have a quick you have a quick Wikipedia. Fuck Paulinho. Um, listen to the previous episodes of Rule the Roost at SpursStatman.com where you can read all the stuff that we've just spoken about there. Um, and also follow us on iTunes. Write us some more lovely reviews because we, you know, there's a high chance. Try and make them creative and funny, but always five stars, of course. Um, we, we may even read some out. Um, creative insults are always a, are always a big plus point. Um, but yeah, follow our nonsensical Twitter account at RTRSSM. And I believe that's everything, aside for Camel New Spurs.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.